It's that time again. America's favorite fan-centric podcast is about to leave the station. From memory lane to awesome avenue, be it sports, social, or otherwise, we'll explore it all together while trying to keep it on the road one trip at a time. So sit your ass down, keep your hands in the vehicle, and buckle up, bitches, because you just got on the fan bus. Everybody. Welcome back to the Fan Boss. It's your girl, Ange. And today I have another special guest with me who is co-piloting the bus. We are going to get aboard and uh, take our travels to the track. What does that mean? It's all about racing today. I have with me Frank Bolter, who, as I understand, has been involved with Here's the list of accolades. (laughs) Corporate image, design, and graphics, correct, I think. Business consultant for several racing teams. Spotter for multiple racing teams, which should be fun to talk about. And also, I think he's been involved in real estate ventures. And I think he was once spotted with a lampshade on his head, dancing um, post-race party. Is that true? (laughs) I just made that part I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we can uh, confirm that one tonight or not, but uh, yeah. I thought I would just throw that in there to see what you'd say. <laughs> Frank, welcome <laughs> to the Fan Bus. How are you? Yeah. Great. Thanks for having me. Good. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm like super stoked because I don't get to talk to a lot of racing people typically. Um, I try to focus on all different kinds of sports and um, racing. I only touch on it from time to time. So this is going to be a little bit of a treat for me. And I was hoping that we could kind of start from the beginning and you could sort of tell us a little bit about you and your background um, and how you got started into the racing community, how long you've been part of that. Um, Let us know. Tell me, what do you got to say about that? Yeah. So I grew up down on the Gulf Coast of Alabama and um, uh, as a kid, uh, my my dad owned a race car, local race car that a local guy drove and um, just a little fan in the Started out as a little little kid as a fan in the stands, and when you know we did that every every Saturday night, kind of a father son thing. And um, my and then um, as I got older, I was kind of interested in kind of every aspect. I mean, the racing business is is um, uh, super complex from you know from the marketing aspects to the engineering aspects to the 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 athletic aspect that the, the drivers do to um, to the you know the mechanical aspect. So um, uh, I don't know, it's kind of kind of was interested in that from a young age and I wanted to pursue that as a career. So I moved to Charlotte, uh, North Carolina in 94. And, um, one thing led another, I wound up starting a graphics company that kind of, um, made graphics for the race cars, but then, um, um, done a few other things along the way, but, um, kind of worked as a pit crew guy guy and kind of turned into a spotter over the years. But, um, uh, but kind of the interesting part about that is the, the, the rise of NASCAR along that parallel of when I kind of, got to town and, you know, NASCAR or Charlotte is the hub of NASCAR. Um, all the teams are based there. Um, it's a huge industry, um, large employer. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of high paid jobs there around the industry for, you know, whether you're on a team or even support businesses that are, that really support the industry. Um, really it's the equivalent of every, every NFL team or, or any, any professional sports league being at, uh, located in one city. Right. So it's, oh, yeah. that's kind of a unique, unique thing about, uh, about the, the the NASCAR world, where all the teams are based in one town, right? 
Um, yeah, that's cool. So you guys are all like pretty heavily intertwined. It's really funny when I interview different people or we have different conversations and I talk about how, you know, you don't have to be a race car driver to be involved in racing, right? Just same thing with like football or um I don't know, any sport, any anything, any business. There's like so many different things that you can get your your feet wet in or stick your fingers in those pies, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, well, and I think that probably unless you're submersed in it like you are, you probably don't even know. I have no idea when I go to the track, I'm watching the race and I'm paying attention to the stuff that I see. But I can't imagine what's all involved. I can't. Like it's mind it's mind boggling to me. Um, so I guess too, like the more you're involved in that kind of a thing and like you were saying, you sort of were, uh, we'll just say like making your way through p- position to position or I don't know, trade to trade because they're all intertwined and you just kind of submerse yourself in that. And then you kind of master it or you learn about other things and you just, it branches off. Is that kind of how it works for you or how it happens? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of what I was starting to kind of touch on a little bit the um uh, the sport really exploded around the late 2000s and uh, early 2000s right late 90s to, to to mid 2000s it just really boomed and um so they're looking for people that knew their business and um so there's a lot of opportunity there right so um a lot of money in the sport back then um and it, and it grew really quick so um so then, you know, it's kind of like once you're kind of in the door, you just it's a networking thing, just like every other industry, right? If you're in the music business, it's like it's kind of who you know at that point. But you still gotta have to be able to do your job, right? When you do, you do get a call or you get an opportunity to help someone or or um, you know work with work with a team or, or whatever. You gotta you know gotta be a quality person and gotta be able to do the job. So that that kind of leads to the next opportunity, and just like it would in any any other sport or you know entertainment business or whatever right so um yeah yeah so the so yeah it just kind of boomed and um um yeah that's kind of how that that uh it's kind of how my career went and um you know i've been interested in a bunch of different aspects of the sport so it's um it's been it's pretty interesting and kind of winding that part of my career down but um <laughs> still still cool to move to a city like um it's the, kind of the equivalent of moving to nashville with a dream to be a songwriter or a, or a performer and and you kind of make it in a way where, you know, you're, you're kind of inside and it's like, you know, everybody kind of rolls into town, you know, they maybe they have a couple connections, but you know, they don't, you know, most of them kind of come to Nashville with a guitar and a dream and, and yeah. no money in the bank. Right. So that's kind of what I did. And, um, <laughs> so then kind of fast forward, it's like, man, people that I know now, the people that I've been blessed to work with over the years. And, um, and these are people that like I used to watch on TV and, um, yeah. now like I can call them on the phone. It's just kind of, it's been kind of a wild journey and it's like sometimes when you're in the, in that kind of path you don't really um stop to think about it or you know you really take it for granted you know um sure. but even doing something like this with you it kind of makes you sort of um you know chatting about what i've done it makes you sit, sit back and really think about it and really makes you appreciate it a little more you know yeah absolutely that's totally awesome i love that outlook that's great i mean and just saying those kinds of things when you audibly talk about it in that way it means that you do appreciate it and i suppose it would be easy to not be fully fully appreciative maybe of it while it's going on because you're doing a job for pete's sakes right like it'd be like awestruck by stuff if you have a job to do that's ridiculous and really at the end of the day too like don't you find that like people are people like people who can do 
um, extraordinary things are sometimes just ordinary folks, right? Like they just, I don't know, sometimes people are magnified into being something that maybe they're just normal people who do amazing things. And you get to be around yeah, that's, them. You get to be part of it. You become that. So, hmm. Yeah, that's what I think about myself. It's like, man, how did I get to this position or, or, or whatever? And it's like, um, you know, you do get in a grind. And I don't care if you're in the music business or, or whatever. Right? Anything you do in a professional level like that, you get in a grind and you do forget um, uh, to kind of stop and can smell the roses, I guess, or, or, or just celebrate the wins and um, celebrate the journey. Cause it's, you know, once you're in the business, it's like, holy shit, I'm in the business. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. um, you know, you got it. It's, it's your own to the next thing, right? Like it's, you know, like I keep kind of going back to this music business, but it's like, you're on to the next concert, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. um, we're on to the next race. We could, you know, the, the time you celebrate a win in the motorsports business is, is pretty short and it's pretty much like there's zero glamour. It's like, all right, you're, you're kind of celebrating for a minute and it's usually you're going to drive through a fast food restaurant on the way home and cram a cheeseburger down your throat and, <laughs> and go to sleep. Right. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, My we're not sitting around partying. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not what a, what most people would think. Right. So anyway, you're on to the next thing and, um, yeah, so it's pretty, um, you're describing a rigorous travel schedule, really. I mean, when it's on, it's on and, um, is what it sounds like. And, I mean, do you guys have downtime? What is it like when you're traveling like that? And do you ever run into crazy pitfalls if you're, you know, planning for that kind of a thing and traveling? And does there any sometimes do things fall through the cracks when you're not at your home base? Or are you guys always prepared and always, you know, like check, double check, triple check parts stuff like yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, so sort of in the early '90s when I moved there, we drove to a lot of the to, to a lot of the events, and then um, as the sport exploded, then it's kind of like okay, everyone's on a private plane, and we're we're a lot of times we'd fly in the morning of the event, or you know, fly home right after the race, right? So we're we're kind of in and out. So you know, as the money kind of poured into the sport, um, uh, you know, the the travel schedule got a lot more rigorous, and so, um, uh, but you know, it's those are long, still long days. And still, you know, even though you are on a private plane, it's still, um, you know, it's st still, um, still a, a brutal grind when you, once you get into the season, there's only, a, uh, you know, maybe two off weekends or, during the course of the NASCAR season from, you know, February to November. And you really can't plan anything on those off weekends to, to go do something as a, as a vacation, because those off weekends, um, those weekends could very easily be filled by rain makeup, you know, um, so you're, you're kind of on standby for, um, and it's the longest season. It's a, you know, they, it's a almost 40 week long race season in the NASCAR calendar now. So, um, so, so that off season's very short and you roll right into the holidays. Um, uh, you know, Christmas and new year's and that kind of thing, Thanksgiving right after, um, right after season's over. So it's that off season is pretty much non-existent, you know? So when the off season hits, is everybody actually off or are there just still people tweaking things, crunching numbers, like oh. practicing? Like, how does that work? I mean, it sounds like after 40 weeks, you're due your downtime and I don't can't imagine you wouldn't take part in that. Yeah, and I was always kind of a part time guy. So I kind of did that on the weekends, but I had a 
had another business during the week and, or, you know, had some other things going during the week as well. So it's, it's, um, so I was, it's kind of a seven day a week thing for pretty much everybody in the business. But, mm-hmm. um, um, so I was kind of fortunate enough that I didn't really, um, work full time for a team, but, um, um, uh, you know, I, I did it certain times, but, but I still had my own businesses and had my own things going, but, um, um, yeah, it was just, um, I don't know. It was just, just fortunate not to, not to really have to have to do that part of it, but, um, but yeah. still, still be sort of a, uh, I don't know, involved in the sport at a very high level. And it's, um, yeah. not many sports even have that opportunity. You know, you're not going to go to the Green Bay Packers and, um, <laughs> you know, just, just probably be a weekend guy, like to just go be a weekend yeah. coach. And that's kind of equivalent of what I've kind of done a little bit across my career. So you stop to think about that. You're like, man, this is pretty unique, you know? Yeah, that's like having your cake and eating it too. <laughs> I love it. That's cool. Yeah. So then um you talked about how you're gearing up to go to Indy, right? And you talked about um being a spotter uh for um a couple different teams. And can you just so just let's pretend let's like third grade it or whatever. Like let's can you describe to people what being a spotter is? How long you've done that? Where you've done it? Who you've done it for? Whatever. Yeah, I've um, I kind of went down the NASCAR path, like I like I mentioned, but um, uh, I don't know about twenty years ago, um, a little over twenty years ago, a friend of mine invited me to Indianapolis to to spot, and um, the role of a spotter has kind of evolved. Um, you know, the spotter is on the on the roof of the of the track, basically the highest point of the track, and they're they're looking down, and they're the one talking to the driver, and they're they're the one in the driver's ear to sort of. Um, keep them out of trouble. That's the primary focus of that role is to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not let them get involved in a crash that they can't see because they're going 200 miles an hour. Right. Um, mm-hmm. that role's evolved over time. You know, when I first got into it early or mid nineties, um, you know, it, it really was not a craft. I mean, it was a little bit, you kind of had to know what you're doing, but, but now these guys really study film and, and they work hard. And this thing is this, that role has really evolved over time. Um, before it was, uh, you know, I'd say it was 50% keep you out of trouble and 50% try to help you with strategy and, um, you know, keep your head in the game and be a coach and that kind of thing. And now it's, it's, um, probably keeping you out of trouble is probably 20% and the rest of it's all about, um, trying to improve your position and, uh, strategy and just really just being, being in the game with the driver. And, um, so the driver's got to trust you, you know, so, um, you know, really, sure. that's the the voice your the driver's hearing. So, um, and then when you get so an IndyCar cool. world, um, it, I would be crapping my you know, pants. the stock car is. That's a huge responsibility. I've I could never do that. <laughs> I'm like trying to like imagine myself doing something like that. I'd be screaming and swearing, and I mean, you have to keep your cool, and you have to. You're like you're the eyes, right? Oh my gosh, the eye in the sky. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's um. It gets a little hectic at times, and um, you know, uh, there's a variety of different types of tracks that that, that we race on. So, um, a track like uh, Daytona, where you know Daytona 500 race is way different than um, I don't know a road race or uh, a mile and a half track like a Charlotte or something. So it's um, yeah. so they're all you know really not the same thing. You know, a football field's a football field. You're playing the same field every week. Where racing you're not it's it's a different type facility and um, weather conditions play into it there's just you know the spotters are out in the elements um and the sun and the wind and the you know the uh heat and the you know it's so you're 
you're not protected at all. So it's, um, you have days where you're like, I don't get paid enough to do this. (laughs) Yeah. And then you got to figure out when, when can I go pee, you know? So sometimes, uh, I got to stay hydrated, but I got to pee. Right. So it's, um, okay. uh, So here's the question. Have you ever had to pee when you're up there and just had to do what you had to do? You can tell us we're all friends here. (laughs) Um, fortunately, some of the, most of the tracks, Now, most of the checks have a bathroom that's uh, pretty close. So, you, you know, you hope there's a caution. You hope you can break away for a second. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, you really can't do it do it while they're racing. But if um, the caution comes out, then you can make a beeline for it. And, um, but, uh, yes. Yeah, so, this is the stuff I love the, hearing about. The stuff that nobody talks about that everybody wonders about. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the glamorous part, right? So, right. Um, but, you know, you think about it on a hot day, right? Like, you're really trying to stay hydrated. Um, and then it's like, you know, you know, you're going to have to at some point, but then <laughs> it's like, you can't drink a lot during the race. Cause it's like, you you know, so it's, um, yeah, so it's kind of finding that balance and, and I mean, it is, it gets brutal out there. I mean, I've, I've uh, I mean, you're cooked at the end of the day at most of these events, you know, um, yeah. very rarely is just a beautiful 75 degree day that you're just out there just, just, um, enjoying it, enjoying the afternoon. So it's, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, it's part part of it, but um, yeah, then you know, um, so yeah, I kind of uh, you know, from the NASCAR side, I got got involved with uh, an IndyCar team years ago, and then um, uh, did like this. I think this year will be my twentieth Indy five hundred working that event, and um, wow. yeah, I'm working with Ryan Hunter Ray this year. So this will be my tenth Indy five hundred with Ryan Hunter Ray. Um, nice. we were fortunate enough to win it together in two thousand fourteen um that's so cool so that was, what was that like was that amazing it had to be amazing yeah it's, it's it's surreal i mean i came from a kind of a stock car background and uh didn't really know my dad didn't really watch that type of racing so didn't really know what that was about but um uh but that's the largest single day sporting event in the world there's three three hundred thousand people there watching you do this thing and um uh yeah it's it's just a you know it's a historic moment for sure and um you know, it's cool to cool to be a part of um, Ryan's from uh, Florida, and it's cool that um, you know be a part of that with an American driver. And um, yeah, got a cool ring to kind of to kind of look at every now and then and remember that day. So it's um, and it's it's still uh, still still so pretty cool uh, cool memory. You just said a ring. Yeah, so you, you uh, a lot of the big marquee events, you get a uh, the team of um, you know more part of the. The, the team members get a ring for that event, you know, so some of the marquee like Daytona 500 or uh, the Brickyard 400 or, or Indy 500. So, um, yeah, they, there's a ring that the team members get, you know, kind of like a Super Bowl ring, right? So it's the racing version oh, of a Super Bowl that. ring. That's badass. Yeah. So do you wear yeah. it out to, so do you wear it out to dinner? Do you keep, no, I never case? wear it. Yeah. I just, I never, uh, um, yeah, I never wear it. Um, I mean, I just kind of, I'm pretty low key. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, uh, but, um, but it's really cool this year. Ryan's with a smaller team. He's with, uh, with Andretti Autosport, Michael Andretti, Mario Andretti's team for a long time. And, yeah. um, I was with those guys for 10 plus years. And then, um, Ryan's career has kind of winded down. And, um, uh, you know, last year he didn't have an opportunity to race at Indy and, um, I kind of took a break. So I, you know, last year was the first year I've not, uh, even spotted a race. Um, and my, I don't know my adult life really essentially. So, um, but, <laughs> it, but weird? it's been really cool. 
Did it feel? It was, good? but I was, did you welcome that little break? Yeah, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't know that I was kind of burned out on it. I didn't really understand. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I really enjoyed watching on TV last year for the first time in twenty years, and so, um, yeah, and it's given me this renewed uh, uh, appreciation and, and, and a renewed interest in even going to do this. Um, wow. And Ryan called me and said, "Hey, I'm going with this new team. Will you will you come?" And it's like I'm the I'm the familiar voice that he's had for ten years, right? So. Um, so I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll come with you, you know? So he's got three small kids at home and, you know, anything I can do to, um, you know, we could leverage our 10 years experience together, nine years experience, whatever, to kind of go in there to make this year's event go smooth. Um, uh, yeah, I was all in. I was like, man, this is going to be great. So anyway, I'm, I'm uh, more excited than ever for this, this race. Yeah. And that's like a different, again, like a different venture, right? Like if it's a different team and things have changed, that's like a a whole new thing. Um, But with the familiarity, like how comfortable and wonderful. I'm like, I'm glad that you're able to do that. That's super cool. And and we're all going to have to pay attention to see how much fun you're having along the way. (laughs) That's part of it. Mostly. I mean, do you go to work when you're doing these things and think to yourself, you know, like I always say this to people on my podcast, when you are doing something that you love, it feels like you're not working. You know, you've not worked a day in your life, typically. And um, aside from the grind, like, do you just really love it? I mean, it sounds like you've said that it's been your whole life, but... I know when I go to do design work or like even this podcasting or when I'm um, educating people or training them or whatever, I don't ever feel like I'm working. Like I just get so much joy out of it. I just get so much. I mean, you need your downtime, but do you you love what you do or is it like a hobby? How do you feel about it? You know, I mean, that year off did really um, give me some perspective, I think. But, um, you know, really, it's just like, going back to the music business analogy, it's like, you know, those guys, the Rolling Stones would play that 90 minute show for free, right? They get paid to travel. They get paid for the grind. And that's the same thing for me, right? I get paid to be away from home and get paid for the grind. I'll, you know, when I put my radio on for the day and, um, and do my, do my job that day, that doesn't feel like work at all. It's just the rest of the stuff. Um, right. It's just no different if you're working at, you know, everyone that works a nine to five job, like, but well, most people, probably like their job but you know maybe they don't love the commute i mean no one loves the commute and especially it's a, a shitty commute right so it's like so I mean, they, they're 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 pay they really pay you for the commute and you're kind of um you know you're you're uh that's a doing great, your job for free so yeah that's a great perspective i love that that's a cool way to look at it and it allows you to meet like tons of people and see all kinds of things and that's not bad either right yeah it's been been blessed to travel the world i mean i've um uh, i went to japan doing uh racing i've been to australia doing racing i've been to i mean most of the states um yeah from every level of racing that i've kind of been involved with so that's um you know i don't know that i would have got to travel ex- as extensively as i have um you know if it wasn't for uh, being able to do this with um you know with a, with a professional race team you know that's so awesome so super cool. So then, um, oh, where did he go? You there? <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah. I, I don't see you, but I hear you. And that works too. <laughs> mm. So um, what about um, the, 
so part of also why I wanted to talk to you too, and we could get into this a little bit um, if you're willing and ready, but you have um, created or offered to the public um, a couple of different apps that you've created. And I really, really want to talk about that and um, how that started, what they do, what they are, where they're called, what they're called. Like, can you go through your app um, offering that you have created? Yeah. So we, um, I don't know, almost, I think, I guess about 10 years ago now, I, um, 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 I lost you. Can you hear me? I can now. Yeah. I don't know if your connection was weird. Okay. Is that better? It sounds better. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we, um, uh, you know, the, the, the industries or the, the United States is made up of uh, a lot of grassroots facilities. Right. So, um, and these, these dirt tracks or drag strips or asphalt tracks are kind of race race pretty much every weekend and um uh part of the process um to for the drivers to compete they have to sign a waiver and release and um and they kind of buy their pit pass and pay to get in so um about um, probably going on 10 years ago i kind of like how do we digitize this process and some of that's through my my uh real estate background some of the other things that i've done it's like um how do we take this and turn this into electronic signature process so um so we work with motorsports insurance companies and motorsports attorneys to kind of scope this process of signing the waiver release to be able to buy their pit pass and kind of all in, all in, in an app and um, to check all the boxes for insurance companies and uh, and the kind of all the legal minds of the sport to kind of keep it protected and, and kind of keep it insurable. But um, sure. so we worked on that and um, yeah, so we got that to market. Drivers and, and spectators or. Um, just or just the driving teams is it for spectators too yeah it's it's for the um you know everybody that competes or goes in the pit area to track they have to um they have to go through this process and and typically it's been a um uh you know it's you're kind of standing in line every single week and um paying paying you know paying to get in and so i'm like how do we make this where you these guys don't have to stand in line every week right so um yeah, oh my gosh uh, that's amazing it's like a massive so we, time saver. Crazy. Yes. So we got um, uh, uh, insurance partners to kind of work with us on that. We kind of educated them on, on a few things on how this could work. And um, um, so, yeah, we got that to market at the beginning of 2020. Um, that all sounded really cool until live event shut down in March of 2020. And um, our <laughs> event, our uh, apps based on uh, live events. So, um so yeah, we kind of um but we had some really you can't uh predict, right? <laughs> yeah. But we had some really cool stories that came out of that. Um, you know, there's all the states had different rules, um, and different uh regulations and so, so then there's something that, that kind of came about that I'd never thought of when when you're um signing a, a document. Um mm -hmm. so the hot topic at that point was like sharing pins. So now now so we don't want to use a pen that someone just used because you might have COVID and I just touched that pen, right? Oh, so then um yeah. so we had a we had some um we had one one track that was in um Illinois 
that really like used our technology to help get open as part of their op- opening plan. And, and like, Hey, we've got this contactless system. We're not taking cash. And, um, um, so that, you know, that point that got really weird, right? Like sharing pins yeah. and exchanging cash. And, and um, so who the hell um, could have ever predicted that? I mean, what the hell, right? I never in a million years could have ever predicted that I would live in a world where that would happen. <laughs> never. I know. So, so then, um, we had another, um, uh, fast forward a couple months. Um, we were having a conversation with a go-karting series and, um, they have a big event in Las Vegas and they rent the uh, parking lot at the Rio hotel and Rio's owned by Caesars entertainment. And, and we were working to, um, get into the go-karting industry with our technology. And, um, so they were kind of Nevada was really shut down. Las Vegas was shut down at that point. It was really kind of a lockdown state. And, and they, um, uh, they were trying to still forge ahead and keep their business alive in this go-karting series. And, um, so, um, they're like, hey, could you help us do this? And so we basically launched a karting version of, of Pit Pay, which calls it's called Cart Pass. Um, and um, you know, we were one of the reasons they were able to have that uh, event, but because of this contactless system and the sharing of pins and no lines, and you know, that's kind of the three things that were kind of the hot button back then. Like I said, the lines, the exchanging money, and then the pins, touching other people, the pins that someone else has used. So. Um, so Caesars Entertainment signed off on it, and they're like, "Hey, we don't even know how we're we're Caesars Entertainment. We don't even know how we're going to go contactless, right?" Um, so, so we were able to launch this new app and and uh, get help them get this event off the ground, and didn't um, you know that? So those are two things that kind of came out of that that journey that um, from from this COVID situation, and it's like, man, I didn't uh, didn't yeah, anticipate that, so. That's totally crazy because I would be like, oh, yes, that's very important. What a wonderful tool that would be so it saves so much time. And no, like the bigger picture of it was also, hey, no, this allows this whole thing to happen. Period. End of story. (laughs) That's so cool. (laughs) You have to be proud of that. That's awesome. Yeah. So so those are a couple couple successes there. And um, but then um, we've launched a third platform now. it's called Ticket Hoss, and it's just a real simple fan ticketing, real easy to use fan ticketing um, system. Um, and it's a mobile ticketing app, and it's you know you know pretty much every in five years every every event we, that we go to is going to be mobile only, uh, mobile okay. entry only, right? So um, the NFL is pretty much already there, right? You're not going to get into a Carolina Panthers game where I live to without a mobile ticket. Um, uh, and so even yeah. even down to high school sports are already kind of down that direction. So we we launched this thing and. Um, that's been really taken off. So it's kind of, kind of the fan side of what we do on the, on the pit side for the drivers. So it's, it really takes two different pieces of technology, pretty similar stuff, but it's um, kind of takes, takes it and, and allows the event, um, the promoter to kind of run their business. We've got a lot of marketing tools, and a lot of other stuff that kind of go into that too. But, um, um, but um, just really, you know, we're focused on the event experience and um, using our tools to engage and, um, uh, engage those fans and participants. And, um, so that's kind of where we are. It's, it's just kind of, um, I think technologies, I think people are ready for technology. And I think COVID really accelerated, accelerated a lot of that where, you know, there's people that would never would have bought groceries online. Um, right. Like there's a lot of things I bet you're, you know, so many things that we're doing now that we would have never done, um, pre COVID, you know? 
Totally. It really, really has launched itself, you know, probably 20 steps past what anybody thought it would be. That's for sure. And and also, too, when that happened, people were doing those kinds of things like buying groceries from home or, you know, prepaying for their tickets or whatever the case may be. And uh, like they're like, oh, hey, this is super convenient, you know. So even people who had uh, old, we'll say like old school notions where they maybe wouldn't have been you know predestined to do those sorts of things were forced into it and then they were like oh hey this is the bomb like we should do this all the time now <laughs> like, i know people yeah or even groceries now even though the stores are open they still buy them online you know lots of people yeah uh, even just something as simple as a qr code menu you know um yeah it's oh like gosh, you right. know everyone everyone knows how to read a qr code now you know everyone knows how to open their phone and open the camera and and they know how to how to do that so it's um it's pretty wild. I mean, in five years, it'll really be interesting. And then so the cool part I'm hearing about all this is that you had that whole thing started before COVID happened. And that's so badass. <laughs> yeah, people, people thought it was uh, <laughs> kind of planned, but I, I, mean, I wish I could plan that good. But um, yeah, in five years, it'll be interesting to see what, what, um, you know, we really have all the data of really what, what how our lives really changed through COVID. That'll be interesting to, to see. Um but, um, you know, all these venues now are cashless and we're working on uh, in-app food ordering. And so basically we'll be this end-to-end system where, um, uh, you know, f- uh, for these motorsports venues can kind of do everything um, mobily and, and, and through our software. So um, I'm excited to see how that transforms and how it, how it actually will make the um, some of these properties and, and, and venues more um, more sustainable long term you know, yeah. by attracting some, you know, younger fan base to, um, you know, being a little more profitable and a little smarter with marketing and just giving you a, a bigger toolbox to work in versus um, kind of not having technology and just being a walk up cash crowd, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That makes a difference. It's really good to be able to adapt, obviously. Otherwise, your businesses die. Um, and that's a dirty shame, you know. Because usually the people who've been in it for the longest are the ones that are adaptable. And that's for a reason. So that's super cool. So what are the three apps again? So PitPay was kind of the mothership. And then, um, you know, it's just kind of simple for uh, you're paying to get in the pits. You're buying your PitPass. CartPass, it is the exact same technology as PitPay. It's just um, for the go-karting industry and and, um, sort of keeps... um, keeps all the go-karting in, events in that one one app um and then ticket Hoss is the third one and okay. um yeah that's uh that's our fan ticketing so um so was this that, app that's about like you got to the track and you guys had shit to do and you're like this is taking forever i have shit to do there must be a better way <laughs> that's that exactly it I've, yeah. yeah i've stood in these lines my whole life and it's like what the hell are we doing here you know so um and it's the same thing every week. And it's like, who's going to fix this problem? You know what I mean? Like, seriously. Right. And, it, and it's yeah. happened. At, there's, a, you know, there's, there's over a thousand venues in the, in, in the U.S. Um, that could use our technology um, and probably more. I mean, maybe closer to 1,500 um, if you count the, the motorcycles and some other things that I'm not really don't even really know the market scope yet. Um, sure. And it's like, who in the hell is going to fix this problem? And really, it's um, the only reason that the motorsports is insurable um is is this document that that everyone's required to sign 
um, mm-hmm. to go in the pits. It's the only reason we can get insurance on this on our industry. So, um, you know, my goal ho- hopefully one day I'll look back, man. This this technology saved our industry and in, in, in some in a few ways or really contributed to the industry. And um, the business has been really great to me in a lot of areas from you know the people that I've met, and that's mainly it's mainly all people, but um, a lot of cool things I've got to do. But um, you know, I've I've you know you spend a lot long time in a business. Like hopefully you can get back to it one day and really. Um, leave the business better than you found it. And I don't care what business you work in, right? What industry you work in. And yeah. really that's, that's what you want to do is like, man, I'm smart enough now and I've got enough resources and enough knowledge to, to solve a problem that can, can really contribute to the uh, health and, and uh, longevity and sustainability of, of this business. And I think a lot of people probably share that um, in whatever industry they may be in, you know? Yeah, but I the key part there is that it, there's a formula for that, you know, and part of it is having the foresight, like the vision to know that there's a problem, right, and to want to try to solve it, but to have the balls to be able to try to solve it, you know, because maybe somebody who's not as seasoned would be like, oh, yeah, I don't know, or you, know, you have to be able to actually put out the effort to do it, and then if you have the experience, hopefully you'd be... So, I mean, who else is going to come up with something like that? It's got to be somebody who's definitely in the middle of it. So that's so awesome. It's, oh, it's it hard. It's been to develop or no. Um, it took the legal side took longer um, than the technology side. Um, okay. But, but even since we started this thing, uh, I don't know, we probably started building it five years ago. Um, it's um, technology even got easier, um, uh, a lot more flexible. Okay. To build build on and things like that, but um, I guess um, uh, kind of made me think of um, you know, we said something about solving that problem. It's kind of like I, I I heard a term not too long ago called uh, the excellence reflex, and I feel like I have that, and I've got a few friends that share that. Um, that uh, I think it's a disease, but it's like when you when you see something, you want to fix it, right? And it's like mm-hmm. that's the that's yeah. that's what excellence reflex is. Like, man, this is a problem. Yes. I want to fix it, and so. Um, so that's that's kind of the kind of what went behind that. It's like that's kind of a little bit about me. And I was like, I want to if I see something that's messed up, I want to fix it. <laughs> so that's awesome. I love that. That's spectacular. That's cool. So, um, and all of your travels, right, and all the things that you've done. Um, do you have a favorite uh, track or a favorite event that you go to, or or is it mostly like? Is it divided up into favorite moments? Like, or do you truly have a, a favorite place you like to go to, a favorite track or a favorite? No, there's probably some that you don't really care about going to, but, um, you know, just another stop on the on the circuit. But, um, you know, a lot of it's about, okay, what what are we going to do? Um, the, older you, the older I got, like, you know, so when I first started going on the road in early 90s, mid 90s, right, we didn't have Yelp and we didn't. We didn't really have Google and, you know, really trying to find find out what's really fun to do in that town was was not easy. You know, now you can do a little research and figure out the best restaurants. And so the, the roads, the roads changed for me. You know, I'm a big music guy. I love music. So it's depending on what music venues are in that town and what our schedule is or, you know, what restaurants and that kind of thing. It's it's, um, you know, that's um over time, the travel did get a little more enjoyable because we could yeah. go seek out cool, cool things that you just didn't know about 
you know, 25 years ago, you know? Yeah, I feel like for me, I I have favorite place like in in my life, in my travels, in my work or whatever. Like I have favorite places, you know, but they're always tied to people and moments. It seems like or things that happened, you know. Um, so and I think that magnificent things can happen in weird places that aren't so magnificent if you're with awesome people. So exactly <laughs> that's for everybody. But I always like to ask. Um, those kinds. Yeah, the hard part too when you're traveling with a group or a team, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, I want to go to a different restaurant or a better restaurant. There, you know, some yeah. guys, you know, love to go to Hooters. So I'm not, I'm not a Hooters guy, right? And so <laughs> I don't really go find a good steak somewhere. So, um, right. Yeah, it, it is all about the, your clan that you kind of run with and um, that kind of stuff. But I always enjoy going to Texas to to listen. You know, the music scene in Texas is always great. So I always enjoy going to Fort Worth to listen to or the Austin area or the like where in particular yeah we rate there's a racetrack there in Fort Worth um so we would would go there all you know a couple times a year so that was always good to uh roll into town and catch some catch some good music but um um I'm not really I love Austin I just haven't um, done any racing there that you know they do race there now but you know I've Mm kind of since I've sort of wound my wind in my spotting career down I, don't, I haven't been there racing but um but uh yeah i'd rather just go on go for a fun weekend versus uh screw it up and try to have to do some racing in the middle of it you know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's cool so um where where do you see racing like wh- as a whole let's just say where do you see racing going where do you see yourself going in racing or you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and do what comes naturally um i mean you have so much experience how do you how do you view yourself in the racing world and what kinds of things are you excited about in the racing world moving forward that you can see happening or trending yeah i mean i'm um you know like i said my spotting career um i'm kind of winding that down and this is the cindy indy 500 is really the only race i'm going to probably do this year and um uh, and I'll I'll try to be involved in that as long as I can. That's just a special special event. I mean, it's it should be on everyone's bucket list, even if you don't like motorsports, because it's just such a cool thing to see three hundred thousand plus people there. The yeah, um, like you know, an, people from it's all like over. It's like an iconic experience, really, like an iconic experience, really. Yeah. yeah, and that that never gets old to me. I've been to you know multiple Daytona five hundreds. I've been to to twenty four hours of Le Mans. I've been, I've been I've done a lot, and and that that event just is like the wow factor from that and, and the the you extravagance and million stories to tell i love this <laughs> yeah what i'm really excited for in the future of you know just of, of the sport i mean we're, we're in this um we're in this transition you know we're, we're we're in this electric vehicle kind of transition and um for for car manufacturers to stay involved uh in the sport um you know, you're going to see them push more uh, EV technology into motorsports. Um, wow. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for them to be uh, involved in the sport, right? So if they're, if you know, um, some states are kind of like, man, we're, we're you know, we're kind of going to be totally EV here in a few years, and um, so um, you know, the 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 sport has to evolve with that mm-hmm. because that's where the marketing, the marketing, they need the 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 marketing. Uh, dollars in marketing spend and, and marketing support from the big auto manufacturers out of Detroit, right? Um, 
So, right. you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how how that um, hybrid technology or EV technology or or um, you know how, how that evolves and it, and we're there, right? It's 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 pretty crazy. I mean, if anyone's ever driven a Tesla, it's the technology. Is, Oh it's gosh. just incredible. And these my cars and Tesla, nowadays a car. She um, warned me before you get a new car like, oh, because of the technology, right? Because the, the, the and then she's like, you gonna... yeah. My my friend had What's me that? drive her Tesla, and I I like freaked out. <laughs> I was I wasn't ready for it. She warned me, but um, it was pretty wild how fast that thing took off, and I was just I was shocked. <laughs> and if you think about what the the the, the what the automobile kind of the car culture and how that's changed and evolved and and what you know what a car used to mean to uh freedom and, and even even when you turn 16 you know the younger people are not even really um, interested in getting their driver's license at 16 anymore they're not interested <laughs> in driving and it's like um and so because that was our only connection when we turned 16 to get get out of the house to go do this right now oh everyone's gosh. so connected connected uh digitally now right with with social channels and um things like that like you always feel like you're with your friends well we didn't have that growing up so um it's just interesting to think of the landscape of you know what a car meant in 1965 to what it meant in 75 to you know what it's going to mean in 2025 it's 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 a lot different you know totally that's a crazy perspective like i've never even thought of it that way and it's totally true I just, I have to agree a, a thousand percent. That's wild. But that was, that was a connection for sure. I mean, my kid, I mean, I, I always talk about how, like, I used to sit on the phone with a cord hanging all the way down the hallway or whatever, talking to my friends. And um, my kid does that while he's playing video games with his, just his headset on. And it's kind of the same, but, you know, yeah, back in the day, it was like, if you wanted to have any connection with somebody you had to get in your car and go it's not like that anymore at all wow i never even thought of it that way yeah now a car disconnects you from your friends because you have to put your phone down to go to to go do it right you have to go if you're going to drive you really should be texting so or being on 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 your social social media at that point so it's like um so yeah a lot of these kids are not getting their driver's license at 16 anymore no so that's funny that an automobile has now become a means for genuine human connection, like a key, a key item where it wasn't for a while. It was, then it wasn't, but it's going to be. Again, if somebody wants to have connection with somebody, you have to get in your damn car or on a yeah. damn plane. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. it's pretty interesting. All these changes in our lives just happen so subtly, right? You just don't... Um... <laughs> You don't quite realize it, and then all of a sudden myself, you wake up. But... <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's pretty interesting to stop and think about. So, cool. But yeah, but that that tying that into motorsports, it's just going to be interesting to see how that, um, you know, how how Ford and Chevy and uh, Honda and Toyota, the and the the groups that uh, support are really big supporters of motorsports. How, you know how how that's going to, um, what they're building, uh to sell to the consumer, you know, that technology has always been kind of, uh, the racetrack's always been a proving ground for that technology, um, in a way to, 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 to justify the spin from an engineering standpoint and a marketing standpoint. So it's going to be really interesting to see how quick, um, how quick this stuff comes along and, 
you know, it even changes things like, okay, an electric car has any, doesn't have any sound, right? So, you know, what's it going to sound like at a car race now? Um, because, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right? That's and that's part of a this part a car race was always sight. You know, it's always about the smells and the, um, you know, and the, the sounds. And um, so now, okay, we're not burning gas, so we don't smell the fuel. We don't, we don't hear the engine. So it's, it's pretty, oh, pretty so kind of weird. Pretty cool to think about. It's the sounds for me, for sure. Holy crap. That's eye-opening. Oh. Yeah. That's crazy. But I think um, Formula One's really exploded. The, the interest in Formula One's really exploded in the U.S. So um, so that's been pretty interesting to see here lately. Um, the Netflix show that they did, that was, I mean, I think that, that was a big big piece of it. And, and it really sucked a lot of people into, uh, you know, into the into the celebrity and the, the what goes be- goes on behind the scenes and that kind of thing. So, um, uh, so that's going to be interesting. Um, to see how, how much more growth that, that facet, um, of motorsports kind of ha- affects NASCAR and IndyCar and the other big, big sports here or motorsports here in the, in the U S. So, um, yeah. and then they're all looking to go global at some point, you know, IndyCar has done that at times. NASCAR has dabbled with it. And, mm-hmm. Um, and they know the next big kind of reach for, like the IndyCar series or NASCAR, it's going to be some bit of global expansion to, to, um, you know, we do have a global, it's a global, everything's a global marketplace now. A lot of these car manufacturers are um, a lot more global than they used to be. Uh, Even though with, with brand name and things where they weren't years ago, you know, they, they didn't have the same brand name maybe in Brazil, but, but now I think Chevrolet in Brazil is, you know, Chevrolet, right? So, um, so anyway, there's a lot more synergy there. So yeah, crazy oh, global market. Yeah, now kids. Yeah, now these kids get up. Um, uh, you know, they they grow up racing online. They were with iRacing and simulators, and so they're doing video game racing, and um, that's how they kind of get into the sport now. And and that's how they that's how they hone their skills. Um, oh my you know, gosh, when I grew it's up, a big deal too. I didn't know what a big deal it is. Like the like the setups. There's a guy who is part of our podcasting network, and um, he writes different articles and stuff um, for us. And he's got this crazy wild gaming racing setup. I was like, holy crap! It's so like realistic. I don't know. My yeah. own. I had no idea that it, that even existed. And I have no interest in doing that. I mean, I've done what I've done, you know, from a, you know, kind of a driver, coach, and, and spotter. But I've oh, got yeah. no interest in even doing that. Like, um, I would be horrible at it, and uh, <laughs> I've got no interest in it. So it's kind of it's kind of ironic that I've no, you know, doing what I've done for, you know, almost thirty years, and it's like I won't even do it. Don't even care about it. <laughs> right. Like that's. It would be real. awful at it. I, I like the real stuff. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Anything else? We kind of covered a lot of everything almost, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did. We did uh, span a little bit of the span a little bit of uh, the motorsport spectrum. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and really, too, um, I just feel like every like we touched on earlier, every sport, every business it has so many different factions to it that if you're not involved in it, you just can't begin to understand. And so it's fun for me to kind of pick people's brains. I always say that, like, I have the best job doing this. When I do this, it's the best thing ever because 
I get to selfishly ask people about things and and for my own benefit, like I'm learning, but then also to other people get to learn the stuff that maybe they didn't know either. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that you've joined us and maybe you'll get to stop by and join us again or even with me and the guys too. That would be fabulous. That would be good. Yeah, that'd be cool. We could uh, see how Indy goes and, um, you know, uh, the team that we're uh, – Ryan Rainbow is a team that uh, Ryan um, is driving for this year. He's a local Indiana business – Indianapolis businessman. He owns some car dealerships in the area. Family's been involved in that race for a long time. He doesn't have a full-time team. It's just kind of a one-off team that's just doing this event. They've got really wow. competitive equipment, really um, um, – you know, really, a really good group of people that just don't want the grind of, uh, of a full, of, you know, full schedule or that kind of thing. So, um, so we're kind of the underdog story got, you know, got, got really, um, this team that's not a full timer and, and we're, um, good, you know, excellent driver and, um, all the resources we need to go compete at a high level. And we had a test there a few weeks ago, um, and, uh, it went really well. So, um, and that's kind of the just it's really hard to just come out of the box and kind of get get off to a good start with a with a new a bunch of guys that really haven't worked together before so you know the driver hasn't so um so I think that's uh it's encouraging going back and looking forward to um uh, we got a week of practice starts on next Tuesday and that goes practice and qualifying um yeah so the practice round start kind of that next Tuesday and um what is that the 15th uh 16th of May I think um and qualifying is that following weekend and uh maybe like 20 20th and 21st maybe the dates on that and then um then come back for the race weekend memorial day so anyway it should be fun i'm excited i I love a good underdog story so i'm totally gonna be rooting for you and i'm gonna tell the guys and they will be too i mean not that it matters but <laughs> that's awesome i don't know we'll send out our good vibes i don't know if that matters <laughs> But yeah, we need it. That'd be, guys, for sure. I'm excited. <laughs> so awesome. Well, I thank you so much for joining me. Um, boys and girls, you can go ahead and um, like, subscribe, and rate the fan bus. The fan bus is not a good bus unless it is a full bus. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors. And definitely, by all means, join us for our next episode. And also check out my friends at PatriotSportsNow.com. That's where you can find everything that's kick-ass, including this podcast and several of our others. Until then, get your ass off my bus. Sadly, it's true that all kick-ass adventures must eventually come to a close. But rest assured, this will not be our last. Thank you, friends, for riding the fan bus. Now gather your belongings, throw out your trash, and promptly make your exit. And wait patiently for our next fan bus adventure. The fan bus is part of the Patriot Sports Radio family. Join our community where you can find more of what's kick-ass by visiting us at PatriotSportsNow.com. Until next time, everyone, keep it on the road. <laughs>